skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Hi everyone and welcome. It's great to have you join us today on another episode of Living Skin Podcast. Hey, it's Beth Bialco here and we have an exciting and very relevant topic today on professional skincare technology. And I could think of no one better to join us than our very special guest, David Suzuki, who was the president of Biotherapeutic. So welcome, David, to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Beth. It's an honor to be here with you and all your listeners today. Well, great. We're glad to have you. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you have a lot going on over at Biotherapeutic, which I can't wait to dive in and talking about all of our questions and kind of what's been going on with you and even a, a peek into the future as well. So for those of you who may not be familiar with David or Biotherapeutic, just a little bit of a background before we get started. So as I mentioned, David is president of Biotherapeutic and he has been an active and licensed member of the medical aesthetic industry for over 29 years. He is a leading authority and expert on medical and aesthetic devices in manufacturing and in regulatory issues. Now, David also presents seminars and symposiums worldwide on new technology innovations, industry regulations, and business strategies. And his commitment to manufacturing cutting-edge technology in cosmeceuticals, along with his extensive experience and knowledge in research and development, has really just contributed to the upward growth and the success of biotherapeutics thriving international and domestic markets. And some of you tuning in today, maybe you've used um, a biotherapeutic device, maybe you're familiar with some of the great work that they've done. You might be using it in your treatment room or even on yourself. So we thought it'd be a great opportunity for us today on the Living Skin Podcast to kind of dive into a little bit more about professional skincare technology and the aspect that there are so many devices and machines out there, what should we look for as a professional when it comes to requirements, certifications, um, you know, what's happening on the, the, the forefront of skin skincare technology when it comes to using machines or modalities. And it's just really having a great organic conversation with David today to give us a little bit more of insight into that and utilizing his expertise. So we're super excited to have David with us. And David, as you know, we've been actually kind of in a, a great longstanding relationship and collaboration with you and the International Dermal Institute in Dermalogica. We've known each other for many years. So I am personally excited to have you with us today as well. Well, thank you again, Beth. It's truly an honor. It's truly an honor. Well, this is, again, long time coming for the two of us to sit down and chat about technology. So I have a lot of questions for you, as always. And I thought a great way to kick off our podcast today 
was to dive a little bit more into your company history first. As I mentioned, I think some listening today are familiar with biotherapeutic or BT equipment, but they may not know how the company started and actually started over 40 years ago, right? And how you've kind of really become a leader in aesthetic technology today. So if you could take us with through that, I think that would be really interesting. Sure, you bet. Well, first and foremost, we're from Seattle, Washington. So that's where we're located. We've always been here. That's where I uh, grew up and where I still live and where our company headquarters is located at. Um, we are a medical device manufacturer and we started in the 70s. In 1974, my father started Biotherapeutic as a medical device manufacturer with a specific focus on wellness preventative aging, and of course, skincare, and that's where we still continue to focus our efforts and developments today. Um, we are, again, registered with the FDA as a medical device manufacturer. We have over five 510K medical approvals for our technologies. We are ISO 9001 and ISO 13485, which confirms that we meet the highest quality standards recognized worldwide for medical device manufacturers. I think we're one of the few uh, in the industry that continues to manufacture and for sure the uh, longest standing manufacturer within our industry. Um, so we're very proud of that. Um, we are American made. Um, I personally grew up in this industry and um, it's where my passion is and it's where I, um, I spend all of my time just looking at all of that new great things that um, we can bring to market. I think being a skin therapist myself, we have our own spa here at um, our headquarters. And so my license still hangs on the wall downstairs. And um, I still spend time in the treatment room and um, I can't think of a better way to really evolve and create equipment than actually being a skin therapist, using it on our customers, um, using it on ourselves and, and just evolving it to the not only the highest standards from a quality and engineering standpoint, but also from a practical standpoint from a skin therapist lens, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting point. I don't know how many people actually knew that you have your license, right? That you actually worked in the treatment room. How did that how did that come about when you decided to get your to get your license? Yeah, that's a that's a great story. So my uh, <laughs> My, you know, I, I basically literally grew up, you know, when people say that, that I grew up in the business, I literally grew up in the business, you know, from, um, from a young child and um, through the manufacturing, the trade shows, the symposiums, um, just the business through and through. And one of the things that my father was really adamant about, even though I did grow up in the, in the business um, and in the industry, is that he was adamant that I was either a physician or a skin therapist. And my love for um, skin just brought me into the world of aesthetics. So I got my license and um, my original intention after college was to get my skincare license and then return full-time to the business. But I got so excited about skincare and the skincare industry as a whole, as far as being behind the bed, so to speak, that I actually went into um, the, uh, the industry as a, as a skin therapist and, uh, and worked in the um, industry for the better part of a, a decade before I came full-time back into the company. I think that is is such a great, a powerful story, and definitely, I think an an attribute to you as not only a person, but you just didn't want to go into this business not knowing what it's like to a be a skin therapist or 
understanding, you know, how, how does the skin therapist work? Like you said, behind the couch, behind the treatment bed, what do they need to utilize when it comes to machines and devices and technology in there in the treatment room? And I think that firsthand experience definitely speaks just so highly of how you are invested in everything that you do. I love that. Thank you for telling this. I think, again, a lot of people are like, oh, I had no idea that David had his skincare license. So I think that's such a key point because it makes it real, right? It, you're coming from a standpoint of like, you get it and what what a therapist can and, and cannot do. And I think that's important too for us to mention that through our conversation today, while David's sharing with us so much valuable information, also do, you know, I recommend do your own homework too. Make sure that things that we're talking about that you can in fact do as a licensed therapist in your state, your country, your market, and that you're working within your scope of practice. So my next question is, when it comes to devices, right, there's so many in the industry right now. We've all seen it, right? We talked about going to trade shows. You see them in trade magazines. Um, you hear about them from other skin therapists who are utilizing them. How does one evaluate um, a legitimate professional skincare technology piece. How do you say that this is legitimate and it will really do something versus maybe what seems to be more like a trend? Yeah, you know, I think that's a good question because I think that it's um, it's part of what we do. It's our responsibility. It's our dedication to our profession to constantly uh, be read up on the most um, recent developments and all the different technology application products and things like that that are out there so that we're either available to offer these services to our um, customers and or at least have a good conversation with them about that and to, to help guide them accordingly. And I think when we're out there looking for technology, I think some of the things that we need to look for of course, are all the quality things that I know that we're gonna be talking about here in the program. But aside from that, I think we need to look at the science and the efficacy. We need to look at the clinical evidence to make sure that it's got um, true efficacy that um, shows a mechanism of action of how and why it works and how and why it may give the results that it's claiming to give. Um, I think that it's really super important for us to make sure that the technology itself is applicable for our licensure. And I think that's a, a big thing that a lot of times we forget to do is that we see all these really, really exciting things. And a lot of the times they are not um, really applicable to our licensure in our state. And of course, we're governed state by state. So we have to check our local uh, rules and regulations just to make sure that it all lines up there. And then I also think that we need uh, look at the results themselves and how that speaks to us from a just a pure business and um, a pure marketability standpoint. Sometimes you'll see some really fantastic technology um, that's applicable to our licensure, that's got great efficacy, great science and everything else, but the results are just a little bit lackluster. And so I think we need to make sure that we have all of those components before we determine that it might be something that we should bring into our, um, our business. And, and put onto our menu. And I think the surveillance that we do, even if we decide that we're not bringing anything in at this particular moment is not in vain because I think it's so important for us to be able to have that information um, under our belt so that we can again have that conversation with, um, with our customers when they ask us about that technology or that product or that um, application. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important, that point that you made about just really 
it's almost like a, I took I took some notes there, David, for us, which is like about the four things that you should be checking into, whether you should be as a skin therapist or you know, a professional licensed therapist, should you be bringing it into your space, your business? And if it's not the right timing, if it's not the right investment, that's okay. But I like the checklist that you just gave us about checking in science and efficacy Clinical evidence, is it there, the how and the why? Is it applicable to your licensing? And the fourth thing was, are you going to be getting the results? Are they really there? Or is it just kind of a an overhyped promise? Or is it something that's just a fleeting kind of example that you might see in a demonstration um, at a trade show? So that's really, that's really helpful. Now, what would I need to look as a skin therapist? What do I need to look into for my equipment supplier? Let's say I find a device. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I love this technology. I think this is perfect for whether it's resurfacing or product penetration. But as a therapist, what do I need to know about my equipment supplier before I, I purchase? So are there questions I should be asking them? If I decide on a device, do I need to say, hey, tell me a little bit more about your training, your warranty, or customer service? Yeah, I, I think that all those are, are really good points. Um, I'll rattle them off, and um, it's not in any particular order, but I, I have a tendency to kind of go from, I guess, a filtering system that would um, go through, I guess, a very quick or rapid process of elimination. And I always start with intended use. And intended use is a term that we use in um, the medical industry, which essentially will suggest what that technology or what that device is intended to be used for. And one of the things that we want to look for first is an intended use. Um, the intended use statements should always be in the manual. Um, a manufacturer should always be able to tell you what that intended use is. And when you listen to that intended use or read that, it should line up and parallel with the scope of your licensure. So when you look at the description of what you're licensed to do in your particular state, that intended use should line up with that. And so if you have an alignment there, then that's kind of the first box that's checked, which means that at least preliminarily, it's applicable for my license and it's applicable for my business. Um, the second thing I would do is I would go down all the science and the efficacy studies, the results and everything that we just talked about. Um, make sure that that was a really good match for for my business. The next thing I would ask about education and training. I think that is super super crucial. I mean, you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have the knowledge and the know-how, then it's only as good as um, you know the technology itself, kind of a thing. And so we want to make sure that we're going to have comprehensive education and support from that company. We want to make sure that we have ongoing education um, and we have hopefully an online resource um, so that we can constantly turn to that as well as online Skypes or Zooms um, or whatnot so that we can get our updates as we evolve. Um, and that's one of the things that is really key as a skin therapist that I know firsthand is that when you first try something, you have one set of questions and you know, a week later, those questions are completely different. And six months later, they're completely different. As you evolve as a skin therapist and your experience with that particular technology, um, so does your intrigue and your questions and, and things like that. So I think a good ongoing relationship in that regard is, is really, really key. 
Um, customer support, you can't say enough about that. You wanna make sure um, that you have not only the education support, but the customer support so that they can answer any questions that you have, um, that you can get replacement parts as needed, um, that you can get maintenance if that's required, if you have warranty work that you can have that done and all those details. So I think all those things um, combined are, are really, really crucial. Now I think from a, let's say a device manufacturer standpoint, some of the things that I could put out there would be is that I would only purchase from companies who were an FDA medical device manufacturer. Um, that would be one, and so I would I would ask for that. Um, I would only purchase from companies who are ISO 9001 and ISO 13485 because they meet the highest quality standards recognized on a worldwide basis. Um, for example, we won't um, even use suppliers of raw materials who are not ISO certified because we need to make sure that even the raw materials that we use from the simplest to the most complex have a quality system in place that's going to ensure that they've done everything the way that they're supposed to be doing, that it meets all the standards that are applicable. Um, the other thing that I think, find is really important is all the safety testing. A lot of times it will be referred to CE testing um, or IEC 60601 testing. So we want to make sure that the technology or the device itself or the accessory of the products been tested to all applicable standards to make sure that it's safe. And then in addition to all those things, we also wanna make sure they have product liability insurance. You would be surprised at how many companies do not carry product liability insurance. And one of the primary reasons why they don't is because they can't actually get it. Because if you don't have a quality system in place, if you're not registered typically with the FDA and you're manufacturing medical devices, um, if you don't have an ISO 13485 certification, then usually insurance companies aren't really very interested in covering you because the exposure is just simply too high. So making sure that you have all those components intact, I think are really, really crucial and really helps you with the process of elimination when you're choosing a good supplier or manufacturer. Yeah, I think you really explain that in, in such a clear way, especially when it comes to certain requirements and certifications that, right, that a therapist needs to be aware of. I mean, it's not that as a therapist, you may not know exactly what, you know, ISO 9801 is, but I think this listing, David, that you've given us um, is is very is very impactful. What does it mean, though, to be as a, a device manufacturer or you know making technology, what does it mean to be FDA approved, as you mentioned? And then also too, I've heard things about um, having a 510K registration. Right, um, so one of the things that I had talked about in the last question was about being an FDA registered medical device manufacturer mm -hmm. and also ISO 13485. And one of the things that comes along with your facility being registered under those two um, governing bodies means that you will be under audit and you will be under surveillance, which means that everything that you do has at one point or another gone through the appropriate processes to be registered or to at least be declared. And so when it comes to being FDA cleared mm -hmm. or to have a 510K, what that means that you have, first of all, registered as a medical device manufacturer. Um, and can evidence that. The second thing would be is that you would have submitted um, a inquiry with the FDA, we call it a 513G, that would suggest that you are in a particular product code and product classification. 
And the reason why that's important is because the FDA considers that everything that is a device and or a technology that comes in contact with the human body to be under their umbrella. And it's for them to decide and to tell you as a manufacturer where they think it fits. And in some cases, they'll say that it's a non-device, um, which means that it isn't required to go any further except for to declare that you're selling it and for them to declare to you that we think it's a non-device. And in a lot of cases, they'll consider it a class two device or maybe even a class three device or beyond that. For skincare professionals, for the most part, what we're seeing in the marketplace is going to be non-devices or it will be class two devices. Once it goes to what we call a class two device, then you're required to submit a technical file. We call that technical file a 510K. And a 510K basically is a compilation of all of your engineering, statistical information, um, all of your science, your efficacy, your usability, all of your detail, establishing what we call substantial equivalence to something else that's already legally marketed out there in the marketplace. Once they actually receive this and go through the evaluation, it could take quite a bit of time. It could you know, be as short as four or five, maybe six months kind of a thing, or it could take as long as you know, a year and a half plus, just depending on how complex it is and how complete your submission is. But once you achieve this 510K, you'll have a 510K number, a confirmation letter from them, and you'll have an intended use, as we spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. that will go with that 510K and that intended use, then will pin out who should be using that based on how the licenses basically are arranged state by state. Usually it will say an applicably licensed practitioner, which again leads it to the state to govern um, individually by their licensures as they see fit kind of a thing. Okay, okay. So thinking about this in layman's terms, mm -hmm. <laughs> or for us, for us uh, average folk out here who are thinking, oh my gosh, how am I gonna remember all of these codes that David just gave me and what it, what I should be looking for. Right. What is a skin therapist? If I see these numbers, if I see, oh, okay, they definitely, I see the intended use. I see the classification. Right. Um, great. This manufacturer is, um, has an FDA clearance. And I, I also see that they're a 510k registration as a skin therapist. What does that mean to me? Does that give me a sense of, of maybe, I'm, you know, definitely going down a more legitimate route with this manufacturer, but what would be in it for a therapist to make sure that they have this checklist to look at this information or to ask these questions? Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. And so the reason why that's important is because there's a lot of great technology out there and there's a lot of great technology literally that's, that's sold at trade shows or, you know, through magazines or websites or whatnot. In some cases, even to consumers, that's not applicable to consumers and it just really hasn't been enforced for whatever reason or another. It doesn't mean that it's still okay for you as a consumer to use it or for you to use it as a skincare professional just because somebody will sell it to you. So we, we have to be very um, cognizant of that and we just have to be very um, responsible for using what's applicable within our license. I think one of the great things about, again, working with the company who is an FDA medical device manufacturer and or ISO 13485 is that you know that they're under surveillance constantly. You know that they're audited every single year. So you know that what they put out, including in their manual and their marketing materials on their website 
is legitimate because they're audited and they're scrutinized about that information. So that's kind of my first, um, I guess that's my first benchmark that I always want to actually check that off my list because once I actually have that, I feel a lot more comfortable that that organization has given me good information that's tangible, that's legitimate, that basically I can depend on to make my decisions. The 510K itself, if they have a 510K number, you can look that up on the FDA website. It will show you the intended use. Um, most of the time, again, the intended use should always be in the manual. So a lot of times, um, if you're comfortable with the organization, go to the manual, look at that intended use statement, make sure that it basically fits within your um, definition of aesthetics for your particular state. And if it does, you have something, hopefully, again, that matches up that's parallel and you're seemingly at that stage would be okay to use that. Now, it doesn't mean that we as skin therapists cannot use a class two device. We can, in many cases, there's probably about 40% of class two devices that we can use as a skin therapist. Um, but you do definitely wanna look at that and you definitely want to do all your verifications to make sure you are offering something that falls within your license. It's super important because at the end of the day, if you're using something that's outside of your license, not only is it going to be outside of your license and enforceable from that standpoint, but also from an insurability standpoint, your insurance company is insuring you for the scope of your license. And so if you're doing something that's outside of there, you're now in a very gray area in regards to whether or not you would be insured for that particular application as well. So I think those are the main things that I would be looking for. Um, I think from a uh, non-device, if somebody says it's a non-device, I think that they should be able to show you evidence that they also basically have a designation as a non-device um, as well. And those are things that you can ask the manufacturer or the supplier for. Okay, and that's perfect. I think that's so helpful because it is hard as a professional to kind of navigate your way through the industry when there are so many devices and pieces of technology that Either they look good, they sound good, they sound enticing to bring into your practice. Um, you know, it may not necessarily always be the the best one for you, and it may maybe as a thin skin therapist, you're unsure. So I think this checklist and this guidance, David, that you gave us was was very very helpful because it's really about being empowered with the information to either ask the manufacturer or do your research or check, like you said the manual or go up to look up that registration on FDA. And it's also about the quality for the device that you're purchasing. You know, most devices are not inexpensive. It's an investment and some of them can be a rather, you know, hefty investment. So you want to be sure that you are purchasing or buying or investing into the right piece for you and your business. And I think the information that you gave us also speaks to the safety of that device that you're bringing in, not only for you, but for your client and to understand the impact of it when you're working with it, especially on right, the largest living organ of our body, which is the skin. So I think that was a great time to spend with you and really diving into that. So I appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk us through that. You had mentioned that there are devices out there that are very exciting, <laughs> um, that are definitely like a wow factor. I think right now, microneedling is a very hot service in our industry right now. Would you agree that you've seen that kind of take off in the past few years? 
Oh yeah, for sure. I think microneedling is absolutely fantastic. I've not seen anything as exciting as microneedling since the introduction of microdermabrasion back in the uh, in the early '90s. It mm -hmm. really has that wow effect, and it's got that um, I guess that pragmatic nature in that you can see what it's doing, you can understand the mechanism, um, and probably most importantly, you can you can feel it and see those results immediately afterwards. And it's just one of those kind of services where um, I feel that after I have a service or I give that service that that customer is being asked constantly, what did you do to your skin? And um, it just looks good, it feels good, it's got, it's really got all the key components for um, practical but also psychological satisfaction. So it's really, really, really great stuff. Yeah, it is. And I, I love how you gave that reference too. I remember when microdermabrasion first launched. I do. I remember my first microdermabrasion machine. It was not small. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, I know. They were enormous. Right? Oh my gosh. I think about that. I think about microcurrent. I mean, things have changed. And I, I see that changing with microneedling from the devices that are out there. So from, from your personal and professional expertise, when it comes to to micro microneedling, how have you guys addressed that in the industry? Because not every skin therapist can perform microneedling based upon their their scope of practice or their their licensing, depending on where they are. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So we um, we've introduced our our microneedling technology is called the BT Titan MN. And um, we have two versions of it. We have an aesthetic version and we have a medical version. We've only launched the aesthetic version so far in the U.S. marketplace. It's considered um, officially uh, via the uh, FDA a non-device. And so we've got it um, cleared through them accordingly. We use um, what we call a nanotip. And we um, have a nanotip that's made of pure uh, silicone pyramids. Um, there's 49 total pyramids on the um, application uh, cartridge that comes in contact with the skin. So it's a it's a fantastic um, micro exfoliation service, is what we refer to it as. Um, it is a fantastic um, stimulation service. Um, it just really gives a renewal and a luminosity that, again, is hard to compare to just about anything else that I've seen besides microdermabrasion, so it's really, really fantastic. So we brought that into the um, into the U.S. market um, with this first version. I feel more comfortable, honestly, with us as skin therapists using um, the nanotip sort of an application. There are some states that do allow some of the master esthetician programs to use needles um, below 1.5 millimeter. Um, so I think that you have to kind of look at it state by state. Um, but I would say this is that right now there's only, I believe, two companies who have a 510K on the medical versions. Uh, we're submitting our 510K for our medical version um, this year. So what that means is that if you're not using one of those two manufacturers, you probably shouldn't be using it. So I would definitely make sure that whatever you're using and wherever you got that, that you have verification of that 510K. Otherwise, I would cease using that and I would be using um, something that was more for the aesthetic realm um, until basically you could assess something or gain something that basically had a 510K and secondarily that was allowable in your state to use needles. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point because there are a lot of gray areas of like who is using what, which device, is it considered medical? Are you working in a medi spot? You know, um, there's different levels of aesthetic licensing out there depending on your state guidelines. And um, and I, I, I'm a fan of microneedling. I absolutely love it. I'm actually one of those people that that for sure get the treatment done but I do get it done by obviously someone who is licensed and able to to do that. And I think that's interesting of seeing more of these aesthetic devices out there. But even though device is small and it may look like it's not necessarily going to do a lot, I think, David, the point you made of still making sure that the certification and the registrations are there. So no matter how small the device or how minor you might think it is when it comes to using it as a skin therapist. Mm-hmm. It's definitely to do your d- due diligence on that. I know. Yeah, and, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I know it's also a little bit challenging when you see a zillion different things um, on Instagram, you see them all over Amazon and everything else. And so you kind of scratch your head and you wonder, well, how can they be selling this on Instagram and on Amazon if they're really not supposed to be doing that and maybe even to a consumer or whatnot. And so those are all those different kind of questions that go through just about everybody's mind. And so I think that, again, you have to um, just be very cognizant of the rules and regulations. You have to realize that there, there, there isn't the ability for the federal government to enforce anything and everything, which doesn't mean that if it's going on, that it's acceptable or that it's legal or that it's just or that they should be doing those different kinds of things. Just know what your um, obligations are for your licensure um, and what you're allowed to do and what you should be doing and, and just to be well versed on all those different kinds of things I think is the most important thing. Definitely, definitely that is a, a critical component. I mean just we should all be looking into these things especially as a skin therapist because this is your business right and you're you know taking care of yourself and your clients and as you mentioned before you have to look at your insurance and insurability and making sure everything can be covered from there. Just really being cautious and not, you know, kind of falling into that, what I like to say, the Instagram trap where it looks like it's a, a great piece of equipment, but it may just be something that's commercial-based that really isn't going to be ideal for your treatment room. I know through our years of knowing each other and we've had various conversations and different meetings together, I know that you are very creative. You're an inventor. You have such great big ideas. I always enjoy our conversations. So I have to ask you, where do you see the future of technology in equipment? Do you see anything changing between like, let's say retail or versus uh, professional devices? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And I I do. um, And I think with the way that everything is heading, um, I think that it is just kind of a natural instinct that we desire as consumers to have better, more professional tools. I think if you look at the hardware store, for example, or power tools that we might have around the house or whatnot, it seems to be that we want things that are more and more like what the contractor has. Whereas at the same time, you know, in that same breath, it's not as if we don't have need for the contractor. We still need that contractor for the more complex things. So I think that skincare is no different. And I think that that we as um, consumers, um, speaking from the consumer side right now, um, do desire better, higher quality tools, things that will work well for us at home, 
things that um, can help us um, really reach our, our skincare goals at home. And I think that there's no better of a person, no better of a professional to give the advice or to supply that equipment and those products um, and that mentorship than, than us as the skin therapist. And I think that really is going to become uh, more and more our role moving forward is that we're gonna be the ultimate skincare coach. I think, it's, I think the treatment room will always have its place. I don't think it will ever go away. Um, I think it's always going to have a need in a place, but at the same time, I do think that as we go forward, I think more and more we're going to be mentoring, we're going to be coaching, we're going to be um, really setting up how they service their skin at home, how they use those tools at home, how they use those products at home, the consistency they're in, and those kinds of things. So yeah, I definitely think that um, consumer handheld technologies are, are certainly going to be a hot commodity moving forward. And I think that it, it behooves us as skin therapists to, to not only supply them, um, but to also be educated on them and to be able to show our customers how to, to use them at home without the fear that um, they're not going to come back to us because they will come back to us. For sure. I think that's important to do is that guidance and support and education, because we also don't want our clients purchasing something online or, you know, from maybe a not a reputable location and using a device at home that they're unsure of. And then I think what you use at home is about, it's just like, it's, it's, skin, it's like skincare products. What you're using at home is your maintenance. That's your day to day to keep things looking good. Your skin being healthy in between your services in between going in and seeing your professional skin therapist. Cause I think our skin therapists have seen these devices become more and more accurate and specific and more powerful and powerful in a good way um, to d really deliver the results in the treatment room with those professional grade products, whether it's a serum or a mask or an exfoliant or a peel in such a state that a, a client could not replicate that at home. But we do want them to be able to manage and, and keep their skin looking great and continue that relationship um, with each other and, and coming back to us for those services and definitely that coaching. So I definitely agree with that. Well, David, it has been a great time speaking with you today. Thank you so much for, for calling in. Um, from Seattle. It's great to have you here on the podcast with us. Uh, and then we can't wait to see what's coming around the corner for, for you and Biotherapeutic. Well, thank you for having me, Beth. It's been an absolute honor. And um, anytime that you have more questions, I'm, I'm here in Seattle ready to answer. Okay. Well, we were definitely probably going to take you up on that as well. So thanks again. And again, everyone for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've had some great information from David Suzuki and Biotherapeutic on what to look for for your next professional skincare technology device. And we'll see you next time on the Living Skin Podcast. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, Cheers to living in your healthiest skin.